Now, Father, I just thank you this morning. I thank you that you are such a good, good God all the time. I thank you that when we are faithful in the small things, that you are good to give us more, more, and more. And I just ask that this morning for the more. I want to say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. Submit and commit this service to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look at very, just very quickly, very shortly, some of the things that I had written down and what the worship team was, was singing and what Pastor Tim was up here saying. It's like, oh my Lord, you have got your hand on it. Matthew 5.45. And I just want a short portion of this right here because this is just highlighted and stand out that you may be sons of your father in heaven that you may be sons of your father in heaven we are children of God wasn't that the theme this morning all through worship you are sons that you may be sons of your father in heaven it's like thinking about the father's hearts this morning it's like wow God is Good. He's a good, good father. A good, good father. I want to, meet, I want to read Matthew 7, 9. And then I want to just tell you, talk to you just a little bit. Um, I'm going to go with 7, 7. 7, 7 through 9. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And verse 9, or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, not having given your heart to the Lord or being filled with the Holy Spirit, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Back to 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Anything that you ask of him, if you are indeed a son, will be given to you. Is that not what that says? Is that not a great promise? Man, sons and daughters of the Most High. I think of what, what, a, what, a, what a dad, what a father, what a, really, what a good dad will really do for his kid, and I'm going to tell you some of the things that this good dad right here has done for his. <laughs> Self-proclaimed good dad right here. Good father. Now, I, it's kind of funny with your, uh, the first, your first child, your firstborn is the one that gets all of the experimenting, and then the second one, it's a little bit of a different story. By the time, you know, seven, eight years later, when you have the third one, you've learned a few things, and by the fourth one, like 19 years later or so, you've really learned a lot. And that would be Christy Lynn. My daughter Dana, I, I just want to tell you something that as a father with a very compassionate heart that never wants to see your child hurt or injured or particularly emotionally Injured, You know, there's the things that we can protect our children from, and there are things that we need to let our children go through because God's teaching them something. 
And the best way to learn is through experience and by making mistakes sometimes. As painful as that is, we need to sometimes release our children to end up making some mistakes so God can teach them through that. Right? Then everybody say amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, this daughter Dana, this, this daughter of mine, she had gone through some emotional turmoil, some troubled times, some difficulties in her life. And at about age 14, she was going to a, a private Christian school, and she had decided that she wasn't going to be an athlete. She was going to be a cheerleader. So it's like, all right, that's cool. That's great. That's awesome. So we supported her in that. Renee and I, we, she had our full support, and as she was becoming part of that, uh, of that team, she invited, when she's about 14 years old, she invited one of these fellow cheerleaders, to our home to spend the night with us. Now, I, I mentioned some of the emotional turmoil and some of the difficulties that she'd been through. She had a bedwetting problem right up until she was almost 14 years old. It's like, but she was getting over it. We were thinking, she's better, she's better. She's not doing it much anymore. So it's probably going to be okay to have somebody spend the night with her. But, you know, and she's got her own bedroom and she's got a queen bed in there. So, typically when girls come and spend the night, they sleep in the same bed. That was, there's nothing weird or unusual about that, at least not back then. So, uh, so they're doing that. And we're trying to watch her to make sure that she's not drinking pop late into the night or whatever, take any precautions that we possibly can. Because how devastating would that be for her to wet the bed with a fellow cheerleader sleeping in the same bed with her? Right? Can you imagine that for your kid? It's like, no, no. That'd be horrible. (laughs) Well, I heard somebody say, been there, done that. So, and I don't think that means you wet the bed on a cheerleader, but (laughs) you maybe had a daughter or something with that same kind of problem. So, okay. well, Renee got up, well, I mean, we've taken all the best precautions that we can to still let them have fun and do, do the things that they're doing to, to have fun. And, and uh, apparently that involved drinking a little bit too much pop or water or something before she went to bed because Renee got up early the next morning, went up there for a little check, came back down and told me, oh, no. It's like, oh, no, what? She said, she peed the bed. It's like, and I was like, oh, no, oh, no. But this compassionate, resourceful father of hers ran to the kitchen, filled a big pot full of water, went to the top of the stairs and said, Girls, wake up! Doosh! I absolutely soaked that bed. Both of those girls, they came up out of the bed, especially the guests, just like... And it's like, get up. (laughs) And so I went back downstairs and they got up. And she says, oh, my crazy dad. She realized what had happened. She's like, oh, my crazy dad. And, you know, fathers definitely will take the fall if they love their sons or daughters. There's no price that they won't pay to be able to save them, to be able to spare them of pain and misery and all. So that girl never did come back. (laughs) She didn't care for the wake-up thing. But they got up, they went down, they showered, and Renee 
stripped off the bed and, you know, got that all taken care of. And <laughs> so Dana now is happily married. She, she and her husband pastor church. You've met her, you've seen her, the pretty redhead that, that comes. They pastor a church in Santa Rosa, California. And uh, to the best of my knowledge, that was the last time she wet the bed. <laughs> she didn't like to wake up either, I guess. But <laughs> Then uh, I think, you know, Christy Lynn. She didn't wet the bed. <laughs> but she had separation anxiety from her mother. And uh, she was so excited. I remember five or six years old, she was ready to, I love basketball. That was my game. I love to play basketball. Got an opportunity to coach her for uh, several years. But taking her to the first, the first, she's six years old, the first rally where she's going to end up learning, doing a little camp thing and all. And we go in there and she looked around and she saw all of those, all of the rest of those kids and coaches and stuff. And she just panicked. She wanted to go home. I said, no, baby, you're going to love this. No, Daddy, take me home, take me home, take me home. I didn't. I stood with her for every drill, for every... I am the only father in there that's standing with his little girl for all of the drills, for everything that we did in that camp for day one. I was able then the next time to end up taking her gently. I had to stay there, but I didn't have to stand in line and do all of the things right along with her. But that's what a father will do, a loving father will do for a son or daughter. Right? Come on, Dustin, right? <laughs> He's a coach. So then, after that, it, it became my responsibility to run her back and forth every day to school because her mom was not able to let her go or push her out of the car. So one of the things that we would do, there was a structure to it. Every day we would sing as we got close to the church, uh, close to the school, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I was just thinking about that yesterday, and as we got closer to the school, closer to time to push her out, we'd sing louder and louder to get her, get her revved up, say, now believe this, what we're singing. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it, babe. She said, yeah, 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 ah, until she had to get out. And then I would pray over her every single morning. Christy Lynn, you're beautiful. You're a leader. You're an athlete. All of these things, I would pray over her every morning before she got out, and I sent her off to school. And she believed all of those things, and she stepped into all of those things, into all of those areas. She is a beautiful leader. She's an amazing leader and a powerful woman of God. But I spent much, much time and effort speaking over and singing with and getting her to... But there was one other thing. We're going to get into the Word here just in a little bit. That One other thing that I felt was very important, the... The school that I was taking her to was a private school, and there were a lot of really, I'll just call them privileged children and people with money that went to that school. And by the time she was about Dana's age, when the whole cheerleader thing, she started becoming very noticing what kind of cars that people were driving. Now, Renee's driven a, a Mercedes S450 SL. She's driven all kinds of 
nice, nice cars. We've had some nice cars and some nice stuff. And I realized that Christy was paying attention to that. It's like, oh, no. Oh, no, we don't. Oh, no, we don't. So I didn't take her in the nice cars or any, anything. When it was time to go to this particular school, I had a 1976 Ford with some rust spots in that old truck, extended cab, where you turn the wheel, you know, the power steering pump's going out, so it's screech, screech, screech. It's like, Dad, 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 please drop me off here. Please drop me off here. It's like, no, babe. If you're going to get caught up in all of that stuff, that's, that's just not going to work. We're going to take the old 76 to school. And you will climb out of that, duck your head, and walk past these friends of yours that are all being dropped off in the really nice cars. Because that is not what makes your identity, what makes who you are, has nothing to do with what you drive, with what you ride in, with the cool stuff that you have, or the money you got in the bank. So that was equally as important as covering for my other daughter when I poured the, poured the water on her, as teaching her some of the value and importance of what it really is to love God and love people. It ain't about what you got, but what you got inside. Wow, wow, wow. Let's turn to Luke 15. Luke 15, we'll go with, begin with verse 11. A loving father. Chapter 15, verse 11. Then he said, Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them, his livelihood. So all that the father had made, he's dividing between his sons right now. And not many days after... The younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, so he says, he divided them. So that means the older son got his too, right? That's what it, that's what it looks like to me. With, so the younger son took off and, and wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Everybody know what prodigal is? Okay, several yes. When he had spent all of it, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. It's like, man, he was needing, he's hungry. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. He would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, because no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, everybody say, came to himself. 
when he realized who he was and where he had come from, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and even to spare, and I perish with hunger? He's like scratching his head going, like, what have I done? What am I doing? And why am I here? How in the world did I get here? At my dad's house, the servants have plenty to eat, and they even have enough to spare, and I'm out here starving. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose, came to his father, but, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran to his son and fell on his neck and kissed him. So the father obviously was looking for the son, wanting his son to come back because he didn't wait till the son knocked on the door. He saw the son coming, heading his direction, and he ran to meet his son with open arms, kissing him on his neck, just hugging him up, loving him, and saying, son, I'm so glad you're home. The son said to his father when his father got there, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, dad. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the, <clears throat> but the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. It's like, he didn't say, Take this boy who just got himself out of the pig pen who still smells like pigs and get him cleaned up, and then we're going to put a robe on him, then we're going to clean him up. We need to get him straightened up and get him robed up, get him a ring. He said, no, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, which was the ring was giving him the authority to do business as a son. It's like, this is my son. Put a ring on his finger, wrap him up in a robe, and put some sandals on this boy's feet it's like I was I was just just thinking like wow the father came running out just knowing that the son was coming home he was looking for him looking for him looking for him expecting that he was coming back it's one of the things that Renee has been saying for a, a long time that the prodigals the sons and the daughters they're coming home they're coming home they're coming home and that we continue to pray and we continue to look and we continue to watch for and we continue to believe for the prodigals coming home. And a good father doesn't just kick those kids out of the house and say, you are not welcome home, you've messed up too bad. It's like, no, no, no. The father said to his servants, clear out there in the road where he saw him coming. Go to the house, get the best robe, and we're going to put that on the boy right here where he stands. You know, so oftentimes we think, we believe, that we have to get everything cleaned up before we can end up being welcomed back to the father. I, I don't know how many times I've, I've shared before my wife is really quick to correct me the other day. She said, you said when we were in Celebrate Recovery, 
We were the leaders of Celebrate Recovery. We trained up the leaders of Celebrate Recovery. We, 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 weren't, we weren't struggling with, it's like, well, we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But <clears throat> just thinking back when we were, when we were leading Celebrate Recovery and, 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 and all of the, the hurting, broken people that came, and so oftentimes the difficult, the biggest difficulty, the biggest obstacle in their lives was actually forgiving themselves. I'm not worthy of being forgiven. I'm not worthy of being forgiven. It's like, that's where it's so important that the Father, that we understand how much the Father loves us. A good, good Father loves His children, and He will run to His children, not wait for His children to come back to them as soon as He sees that they've turned and headed His direction. He will run to the father, he'll, or he will run to the child, he will wrap his arms around him or her, he will kiss him on the neck, say, put that robe on him. They are forgiven, they are completely forgiven. Now he, he felt so unworthy to come back to his father and to approach his father that he said, I'm not worthy if you will just put me on like one of the servants. I will be glad to just be one of the servants. And then I can earn my way back into good standing with you, Dad, because I know I don't deserve this. But the father said, no, no, no. It's not about the works that you do. There's nothing you can do to earn your way, to earn my love. All you have to do is repent and turn from those ways, and you are again resumed exactly where you were. You have the ring of authority put back on your finger. You have the brand new robe, the best robe in the house, to wrap yourself up in, and brand new shoes. Thank you that you are such a good, good father. And that's what you offer to each one of us is that opportunity. It's not that I have to come in. It's not that I have to get good enough. It's, that's another thing. When I, when I asked Wes, when he came back and, and we, we prayed and I asked him, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I love Lord. I said, then do you want to be baptized? Yes, I want to be baptized. And it's like I've had people say, though, i, I got to clean up first. I have got things in my life that I have got to clean up before I can be baptized. Like, no, no, it's time. He wants to accept you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to put that righteous robe around you, and then you can go clean up. You know, the Father says to him, you know, there's some, the son needs to take some responsibility now. He's not going to end up sending the servants in there to scrub him and clean him up. He's put the robe on him. He's given him the ring. He's given him the sandals. He's saying, son, you know how much I love you. Now, son, you can go take a shower. You can get cleaned up because you love me back. See, because the son received the love of the father, put him in a place of understanding, it doesn't matter. I don't have to earn my worthiness back. I just have to receive the love that the father is giving me. 
wrapped up in that robe. I have been made righteous by that new robe. Right? I've been made righteous through forgiveness. That robe is wrapped around me. Now there's a few things that I can do so I don't stink anymore. <laughs> because I'm going to be spending time in my father's house again. I don't want to go in there taking the smell of where I've been and what I've done. So it's important that I get a good shower, that I get cleaned up. And that's my responsibility. This makes sense? There are some things, there are some steps that we will take, but that's after we have been empowered and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. We've been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. He will lead us, He will show us, like you got some dirt behind your ear, son. Clean that up just a little bit. It's up to the Holy Spirit to convict, to show, to teach. That's not my responsibility. You're ready to come back to the Lord. My son or daughter is ready to come back into my house. I love you. Now, you do know that there are a few rules when you're back in this house under this roof. Son, daughter, and all you have to do is love me in return. Jesus says in uh, 1420, 1421, John 14, 20, 21, those who love me keep my commands. Those who love me will keep my commands, and I will love them, and I'll manifest myself to them. Man, if we want to be, if we want to be under, the, under the spout of his manifestation, of his love, of his goodness, of his beauty, of his bounty, of all of the things and the blessings that he has for us, we need to love him back. And love requires an effort, right? I mean, in my marriage, I can just tell my wife how much I love her. She can experience the feeling when we're together, but there's some ex expectations that she have that she has of me to show her that I love her. Right? Everybody still with me? So... The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him. Not just a robe, the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. My son was dead to the family. He was dead in his sin. Now he is alive. He was lost and now he is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. As he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, What this thing, what do these things mean? And he said to him, your brother is come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Well, the older brother was angry, and he wouldn't go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him, son, come on, please, come in. Your brother's back. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgress your commandment at any time. 
Yet you never gave me as much as a young goat that I may, might make merry with my friends. But as soon as his, this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. He said to him, Son, you're always with me. All I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. So what an incredible grace lesson for the older son with the religious spirit. It's like, Dad, I have worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And you're not any happier with me than you are with my little brother who's gone out and was chasing around with, uh, with hookers and wasting his money on just stupid things. And you love him as much as you love me, Dad? How could that possibly be that you would love my little brother as much as you love me when I've dedicated my life and all of that hard work to accomplishing the things that we had worked on together, Dad? said, your brother was dead and gone. He was lost, but now he's found. It's time to celebrate. You see, there are, things, there are things that we see that just don't seem fair to us. It's like, how could this possibly be fair? But in the, <clears throat> the thing that we, in our hearts, have to realize is when someone else gets blessed, we need to celebrate with them. And until we can get to a place where we can see somebody else blessed and we can celebrate with them, we don't truly have love in our heart for our brothers and sisters. Matthew 22, 37 through 40, where Jesus says, you know, there's, there's two commands that I give to you. You know, keep, keep my commands and you, you've got it taken care of. You've, you've served the prophets, you've served the law, the commandments. That's love the Lord your God with all you got. Love the Lord God with everything you have. Then love his people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord with everything you've got, your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. I think sometimes we can look at our neighbor and we can end up finding ourselves in that same place. I, I look at, well, you could take a look at Wes. This kid's got four, either four or five weeks under his belt now. God's speaking to him very clearly, opening doors, and all he has to do is be obedient. Got his lungs healed from what, what that was like a five-year struggle with the lung thing, wasn't it? Yeah? Pretty much. That's extremely expressive of you, Wes. Give me a minute. Yes. And instantly healed. Instantly healed. And then he just hears. He has a vision. And the, and, and the guy's actually there. Knocks on the door. The guy shows up. Got to sniff a little pot, but he got to pray for him. And the guy got blessed. 
And I think you said that after you prayed for him and he brought you the flaming Cheetos, you looked in his eyes and go, he's not empty anymore. He's been filled. Yeah. So I could be jealous of Wes. Like, God, why are you showing him? Why does he have that stuff so fast when I've been serving you for over 40 years? And I don't get that kind of clarity all the time. Get up in the morning, see a vision like that of who you're supposed to pray for. The door's open, you get to go through it, and you get to be incredibly blessed. It's like, Wes, you've made me jealous. No, I just thank God for what he does for each and every one of of us here. He's a good, good God, and he loves us all. And his desire is for each of us to love one another as he's loved us. To forgive one another as he's forgiven us. Jesus only did what he saw his father do. Uh, John 5.19, John 14.9. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty seven. you can look these scriptures up, but that was the perfect son right there, the perfect son. Only did what his father told him to do, only did what his father showed him to do, never did anything wrong, yet he's the one who died on the cross as a sacrifice for you and for me. And then he said, those who love me will keep my commands and I will manifest myself to them. And for the joy set before him, knowing what your future and my future held, he endured the cross for you and me. I'd like... to just think for a minute... For all of us to just think for a minute about, you know, the story of, of the father, the, the prodigal son coming home, and that, you know, we've, we've been through. Sometimes we have been out and, and uh, you know, taken a lap around and not, not been on the straight path, not been on the straight and narrow, but, you know, not been a part of what God has and the plan that he has for our lives. And, and we've wandered and we've got into some things that we could end up feeling very, very guilty for. Uh, <clears throat> guilty and unworthy, guilty and unworthy, guilty and unworthy. This morning, I believe that, that some of us that have come here, as we sit and we listen, think, wow, you know, I have messed up. I, I have really done some things, and, and I am, you know, I'm not proud of, I, I'm ashamed of, and I even question my worthiness. I think that sometimes that's something that can happen to us as we can you know, toss me that water. <clears throat> Could have been a pitcher, huh? <clears throat> when we've done things that we ourselves make us, put us, bring us into a point of unworthiness, God, I'm, I'm not really worthy right now, but He's saying, You are worthy. You're a son, you're a daughter, and I have chosen you. I have chosen you. I believe that you're here today because you're chosen. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I called you. All you have to do is accept my love and then return it. You've been chosen. You've been called. 
Now it's just accept my love and return it. You are worthy. It doesn't matter that you are the one who took off and who blew the inheritance and who messed up and messed up and then messed up some more. He's calling today to all of us to say, you're worthy. I want you as a son. I want you as a daughter. I am the father that has created all things. It's like when we think of, I was just see like a cornfield and think that you know somebody owns that field and and somebody bought the seed that they planted in that field but you know the reality was God created that seed so that 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 corn belongs to him he's the one that created the seed he's the one that created the dirt the ground that that seed is growing in so it goes back to Jesus. It's like that's the same with us. He is the he is the harvester. He is your father. Biologically, there were a couple other people involved, but he is the great creator that loves you, that created you. He is your ultimate, your loving father. We go back and trace through descendants. He's my father. He's my father. I am a son. I am a daughter. He's chosen us. He's chosen us. Everybody say, he's chosen me. Again, he's chosen me. Once more. And all I have to do is accept his love. Is there somebody this morning that would just say, you know what, I do not feel worthy, but I want that love this morning? Just raise your hand. If, if, if you're one that's saying, I don't feel worthy, but I want that love this morning. I don't feel worthy, but I want that love this morning. It's like probably 10 or 11 people saying, let's just stand together. I'd like all of us, all of us to pray together. And you guys that raised your hands, if you would just raise both of your hands to receive right now. And then I would ask you, after we're done, we're finished, and you'd like some more prayer, you could come up here to be prayed for, or you could find me. But for right now, those that have raised your hands, let's just all close our eyes together. Jesus? Yeah, I'd like you to repeat after me. Jesus? I receive the gift that you have given your life for my life. I receive the love that you have for me. I want nothing more than to return that through my faithfulness, through the love that I can return to you, and through the obedience to do what you've called me to. Forgive me, bless me, and set me apart to walk 
the way you lead, to do what you do, and say what you give me to say. I receive your love. I return it. I bless you, Lord, with all that I am. Guide me, direct me, and bless me. In Jesus' name, amen. If any of you this morning need healing, if any of you want to come to the front to be prayed for, there's a prayer team that's up here. If you want to seal the deal, you know, Jesus promised, like when we, when we baptized, he said, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin, and you'll receive that promised gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've never been filled with that empowering gift of the Holy Spirit, if you just come to the front, they will lay hands on you, they will pray over you, will pray on you, and you can receive that gift this morning. If it's salvation, I just encourage you to come to the front. God is so ready. If you prayed that prayer and you'd like to talk to somebody, me, one of the pastors, I just encourage you. We're going to be around here for a while. Otherwise, Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the worship. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are moving among your people. I pray that you would bless each one that's gathered here for the purpose of honoring and worshiping you and your name. And I ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a blessed